Welcome everyone to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. I'm Kate Oda. And I am James Moore. And today we will be talking about Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. It is the sequel to The Fourth Wing and it's a part of the Empyrean series. So if you have not read it yet, go back and read it before listening because we will have lots of spoilers. We'll be talking about things in detail Uh, But this is a fantasy with a little bit of romance um, about a war college and the writer's quadrant who are training to be selected as writers of dragons. And it's kind of the aftermath of some beginnings of a separation in uh, the leadership and the different writers. So we talked about Fourth Wing last time. And we kind of had some mixed opinions, but we ultimately decided to keep reading and read this next book. And so what were your overall thoughts? Okay, I guess I'll go first. There was a a lot of this book that I did like, and I quote unquote read it as another audio book. I seem to be getting lazy with that. (laughs) It's been doing audio books, listening as I drive to work. And, um, you know, I, there was, uh, we'll go into detail, but there was some, there was some twists that I like. There was some, um, work that the author did that kept things from being boring and predictable and easy. In my opinion, she could have easily, you know, gone in one direction just to get some pages done. But uh, I think it was an interesting story, but I don't, I can't put my finger on why I had this lack of enthusiasm for. The story, I mean, I, you know, I, I listened to it to the end, but for some reason, even though it had a lot of good qualities technically and structurally that I, you know, that I liked, but I found myself, you know, mentally drifting off and not caring <laughs> what was going on in the story. And I, I, I really can't put my finger on why, but I'm going to depend on my friend Kate to tell me why. <laughs> I was about to use that as a segue. I can put my finger on why. <laughs> So for me, the problem with this book was, uh, so a lot of, it's a romanticy, right? So a lot of the plot is the romance and the main characters who are having that romance were separated for most of it. And when they were in the same room, they were just not talking to each other, like not communicating. There's just so much distrust. Their relationship made basically no progress this book because they had such a huge setback at the end of the last book. Justified. Don't trust your man if he hides a revolution from you. And then they just didn't really repair that. There was a lot of physical, uh, but not a lot of emotional moving forward. So that's why it was so stagnant because half of romanticy is the romance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that was one of the big problems is that they just kept having the same conversation over and over again, the same argument over and over again. It's like, Trust him or don't trust him, but don't continue the same thing. And I feel like Zayden requiring Violet to ask him questions was just sub- such a cop out. And not a, I, I don't want to blame the character because it feels like a cop out from the author to be able to withhold information until it's convenient. Like, who does that? Like, oh, you didn't ask me about it. But if you ask me, I'll tell you anything you want to know. It's like, how would you possibly know what to ask? And then at the end, the reasoning was oh, maybe I really didn't want to know. It's like, no, you did want to know. He's just (laughs) not telling you all the information. Like, it just felt like a plot device to leave the reader in the dark, which it's fine to leave the reader in the dark if you want to reveal things that I just didn't think it was an effective way to do that because it just seemed very bizarre to me. Um, But 
I loved Fourth Wing. I I thought it was really easy to read as far as fantasies go. It was easy to get into. It was easy to get into the world. I could picture everything. I could understand what was going on. Like that's part of the issue that I have with fantasy books a lot is that there's just so much going on and I have a hard time picturing all the world building stuff going on and I kind of get lost in that. But I thought she did a really good job with the first one. And I had that fear and I said it last time when we talked about reading the second book that I usually try to avoid series because of this reason that one, the first book is normally, you know, very well polished. They're trying to pitch it to the agents. They have years and years to work on this first book and then it gets really successful and then they have to scramble to very quickly write a second book. Like the first book was released less than a year before the second book was released and she hadn't even started the second book when the first book came out. This book was a million pages long. I don't know how it's even physically possible to write that many words in such a short amount of time. And have all these different like interweaving parts like that's pretty impressive. But also I think it made things difficult to understand sometimes like there are a lot of little nuggets that I know a lot of people on TikTok have picked out like all these like little clues in there. And I know she's very intentional with her writing, but I found it to be very confusing at times like there were too many new characters in this book. There's too much of the backstory thrown in in weird ways. There was one scene where they were going through the mountain with all the new characters. And I just could not picture what was going on in that scene. I even went back and reread it. I'm like, I, I don't even know what's happening here because you have all these things that she's describing and all these characters that we don't really know. Um, so I think that made it a chore to get through this book. Even though, like James said, there were some really interesting parts, it just, yeah, it just felt way more difficult to get through for me. Yeah. And since you mentioned, like, talking about backstory stuff, yeah, some of the backstory brought up in this book is a direct contradiction to what was brought up in Fourth Wing. And the mm. example I want to show is the relics on the rebellion children people mm -hmm. because in the first book they were like oh that was given to us by like this dragon over here and, like introduce that dragon they were like yeah that that dude gave us all the relics and they were like oh the magic from that fire whatever and then in this book they were like oh we were all holding something in our hands when our parents were killed and that's what gave us this relic and i was like S excuse me uh I don't think so. So it's that kind of stuff that drove me insane. Well, I, you know, I, I I'm with you on the whole relic thing. Now, what what I got sometimes, and sometimes I get more when I actually read versus just listening. But I was understanding that there was a difference between the, the regular relics that you get and the relics that the rebellion children got because the of the tr the treachery and the re and the um, disloyalty of the parents. That that is why the rebellion kids got their relic specifically for the acts of their parents and any other relic. Like if you just a, a regular flyer with a orange club tail would be, you know, from, you know, the other source that that you mentioned. But I I kind of just I didn't want to I didn't look into that too deeply because I knew I would be disappointed. And I just wanted to say that, you know, Kate's analysis as to probably why I was disappointed, you know, it's probably hitting some of the nail on the head with that. And um, and the scenes, except for when it was like, you know, super hot. And afterwards, I had to check on see what the wife was doing was, um, <laughs> you know, other than that. Yeah, it was the same conversation over and over again. And I and I really hated the the male trope. And this is in writing. This is on TV. This is everywhere. The guy in the relationship says. 
well, you didn't ask me, you know, why didn't you tell me that you, you know, sold the car or, you know, bought magic beans with our money or whatever. It's always like, you didn't, you didn't ask me. And um, that was disappointing to have that. And it seems like it was kind of partially addressed by our character, you know, saying, you know, we're just not going to work that way anymore. But she shouldn't have had to have gone through that period. I think part of that is because it's going to be a five book series that the author kind of had to do something because you can't have them like getting married and having babies in book two. And, you know, clearly that's that's not the trajectory for their relationship, especially with the way that the book ended. Like we're going to have probably at least another book where they're separated most of the time. Like it's probably not going to be until book five where they're together some or most of the time. <laughs> Listen, um, if you think Venon Powers will dampen the horniness of Violet Sorengale, you don't understand <laughs> Violet Sorengale. <laughs> you know, and I saw people saying like, is this going to be like an enemies to lovers to enemies? And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like more likely either she's going to find a cure or, or try to, like the next book is going to be her trying to find a cure or her going, uh, you know, Bella Swan, like make make me into one of them with you. Or she already is, and that's why she's got the the white streak in her hair. Um, and then there was some theory I saw that um, her mom has been searching for a cure for an unknown reason. There was that one uh, message at the top of one of the chapters where it was like from before, like it's not from the current time period because of their titles. And she was she was looking for that cure, and people assume like, oh, it was probably for Jack, but maybe it was either for her dad or or for Lilith, or even for Violet, maybe something happened when she was pregnant. Um, so those are some different theories I've seen floating around. So I think, well, also, the ending was kind of weird to me, because so clearly, Zayden starts, you know, converting or whatever. And we're in his POV. And he's saying, Oh, I, I don't know if she'll ever want to get close to me. But that that time jump starts with her snuggled up with him in bed and she already had seen what happened. I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. I mean, clearly she's not afraid of him. They're snuggling up in bed. So um, yeah, I don't know how, how you go from that to presumably in the beginning of the next book, they're going to, she's going to be afraid of him somehow <laughs> or want to be away from him or he's going to push her away. I don't know. Oh, yeah, I just, no, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with uh, the twilight reference. Like maybe she won't be asked to be turned into a Venon, but they're, they're definitely going to uh breaking dawn part of this picture <laughs> <future> book. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so do you feel like Lilith, uh Violet's mom was redeemed as a character? Obviously, she comes off as the villain in book 1, in book 2, you kind of start questioning, you know, her motives behind things and then at the end she sacrifices herself. Do you think that she was redeemed. Do you think that it was so like Zayden, it seems like now he's willing to do anything just to save Violet. He doesn't care the consequences, what happens to him. Seems like maybe that's what happened with the mom too. She's like, well, I don't care about all these other people. As long as me and my kids are safe, that's really all I care about. I'm protecting our home. Do you see her as the villain still? Or was she just doing what she needed to do to protect her family? Uh, you know, I, you know, I, at the end of the first book, I think you guys know how I feel felt about her mom, okay? And was really hoping that something was going to happen to her, and now it did, and it was a sacrificial move. But it it seems counter to some. I mean, it doesn't explain everything and her motivation totally in in my mind as far as 
you know, how she pushed her daughter into being a writer when she was, you know, clearly meant for and suited for being a scribe. And I know maybe, you know, one situation doesn't really save her versus the other, but she's, I mean, she was really sticking her daughter's neck out still. I still don't understand why that happened. The fact that you sacrificed yourself and poured all your energy into a stone doesn't convince me that you, you know, what your motivations was in, were in the beginning. It just doesn't. And um, it, it, it seemed like a contradiction to me along with Atos. Now, you know, I, I get that, you know, he has feelings for her and saved her from, from torture and stuff like that. But it was a big swing in my mind going from, yeah, the rules are more important than you to, you know, I'm going to risk my life to make sure you don't get tortured to death. So that combined with the fact that Violet just kind of shrugged off uh, any PTSD that would come with that. <laughs> I'm not saying that she's a frail enough character. I get it that you want to show her strong and everything. She does wheel lightning after all and all that. But there should have been some effect, even though you have a healer that takes care of the physical stuff. I didn't see any psychological effect from being, I mean, the way she described her torture and, you know, barely even being able to see after the fact, and she kind of just shook it off because there were bigger fish to fry. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so Violet's mom is a character I've never liked. Uh, I think she is not as smart as everyone <laughs> thinks she is. The, yeah, I agree with James. The plan, the the plan as I understand it was, well, if Violet figures out the truth and she's a scribe, they'll kill her. So I'll send her to the Dragon Riders who, if she figures out the truth, they will kill her. But also maybe she'll die first, just in case. Like, where, where's the logic, mom? Like, no, it doesn't make any sense. She knows her daughter could be killed in many ways in the Rider Quadrant and only in one way in the Scribe Quadrant. <laughs> Let's play the odds, people. Like, what, what was she thinking? Also, all she had to do, all she had to do was pull Violet aside and be like, let's do some training so that you don't have your mind read without your consent. Like, just in case you run into one of those. And if Violet's like, who has that power? Her mom could be like, who knows, honey? Let's just practice. <laughs> like, it really wouldn't take that much to have prepared her properly and not broken protocol. Like, she could have had her cake and eaten it too. And she instead slammed her face into the cake and no one got any of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I don't know because it sounds like she bribed Zayden to watch over Violet. So, in her mind, that was her way of protecting her. I don't, I'm not saying I agree with her choices, but I think that there's something more about Violet that we don't know yet, like part of a prophecy or something, because her dragon and, and Darna was, she said something like, oh, I've been waiting specifically for you for hundreds of years. We, like I thought well, in the last book that she picked her, you know, as the second dragon because she stood up for her when she looked like a weak dragon against Jack and and his friends so but we find out now that she was waiting specifically for her so i wonder if violet's mom somehow knew information that we haven't learned yet we still have three more books to, to learn all this other backstory and maybe that's part of why she learned oh she does have to go be a writer and we do, still don't know exactly what happened to violet's dad what the backstory is there we still don't know what exactly happened with her brother and what all came to be there um so i think there's a lot of backstory that might explain some of her motivations a little bit more because yeah with the information we have now it does seem
seem very weird that she'd be like, yeah, you've been training all this time for a scribe and I've never said anything to you. And now all of a sudden at the last second, I'm like, you need to be a writer and there's no ifs, ands or buts about it. Go for it. So I think, I think we will find out more there. Um, I will say, you know, the author is very good at like trying to be really intentional about a lot of things, except I didn't realize that thing that you pointed out, Kate, about that. Um, but I think there is a lot of that kind of stuff where it's like, well, you get a partial truth and then later you get the whole truth, which totally changes like the way that you thought about things or the, the meaning of it <laughs> because you really didn't have or you had very misleading information, uh, which I don't necessarily like in books where it's like, ah, that changes like with Zayden and him, like us thinking he's a bad guy. And then when you get more information that it's like, oh, he was actually protecting her the whole time and you get all this other information and it changes the whole meaning of all their interactions and everything I don't necessarily like that because you kind of have to uh you know to spend some disbelief you know like is that really is that really what he would have done would he really be acting angry all the time if he knew all this stuff and he was really just trying to protect her um so I don't know I don't I don't really trust any information we have so far until we get to the final block I get what you're saying, and I guess I didn't really realize until, you know, our critique of the first book that it was five. I was thinking it was three. But I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to travel that far in the story. If it were, if I was doing it on my own after the second book, I might. It's a really good chance I would just get distracted and move on to something else. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll keep reading because I feel like the first book got me invested enough in the story and the characters. I do think that the second book had enough interesting things happening that even though it was difficult to get through overall, I would say it was an enjoyable experience to read it so it's enough to keep me going and to see what happens um what about you kate i mean okay so i i've been talking about things i don't like about this book but i do want to give a shout out to something that the author has done very very well which is that we are so deep in violet's point of view that if she hates someone we hate someone didn't we all hate catriona deep burning hatred for her yeah because violet hates her so much and we're so deep in violet's head that's all we're seeing and we all are mad at dane because she's mad at Dane. We all think Satan's hot because she thinks Satan's hot. So if anyone out there is trying to study deep POV, th- this is a really great series because you are so in Violet's head that you cannot escape. And everything is filtered through her. And so that's actually done very well. So I will mm. concede that. <laughs> but yeah, I'll probably keep reading because just the smut scenes were so great. I mean, <laughs> the scene that lives rent-free in my head is when she arrives at Samara or whatever, where he's stationed. And he's like, you have 10 seconds to decide if you're staying in my room tonight. And she's like walking toward him. And he's like, she's, she's going, well, okay. And then they just aggressively make out like that's all it took. (laughs) And then her sister's right there being like, hi, other people are present. Wake up. (laughs) And I love that scene. It was very hot and then funny. So over the throne scene. Okay. Here's my problem with the throne scene. (laughs) She was in his head a little bit too much of it, like that psychic connection. She was like in seeing it from his per- I don't need to see that from like someone else's perspective. You know what I mean? Like if that's being done to me, I don't need to see it through their eyes and get that unflattering angle of my body. <laughs> I don't need that. So that I was like, girl, no, zoom out, zoom out. Just enjoy it in your own body. What are you doing? 
So that's why the throne scene was like not a hundred percent for me, but I, yeah, I mean, I still, it was fine. But I thought <laughs> they did hint at an interesting thing where she is able to kind of, and I don't think that's just their normal bond. I think that that might be another power that she has because at the end, she's kind of seeing through his eyes when, you know, he's, he's going against the sage, like all of a sudden we're seeing through his eyes and what's happening. Um, so I think that's hinting at, you know, some other power that she has. But I also thought that maybe she has a power to talk to dead people because they made it seem like she was talking to um, Liam, like hallucinating as she's being tortured. But mm-hmm. it seemed more like he was there as a ghost and she was actually communicating with him because I think there was another point in time where she was talking to somebody else, wasn't she? Was it her dad or s- somebody else who had died that she was talking to as kind of a ghost and they made it seem like she was hallucinating? I don't remember now. But there was another situation where i was like that that, i feel like that's happened already yeah Yeah, and she kept getting zayden's dreams too yeah yeah because at the end it was revealed that that dream she kept having was his dream so maybe that was her going into his mind again without meaning to how many signets is too many signets (laughs) (laughs) yeah or it's all kind of connected but i definitely guessed that zayden was able to read minds even though it wasn't exactly what he's doing. He's reading the intentions, but enough to be able to know people's thoughts. But I guess that after the first book, that that was probably something that he was able to do. So I like how the author kind of gives you enough of a hint that you can start to come up with theories and like the whole, um, you know, all the fans are coming up with all these theories. And I wonder, because she's not writing these books yet, how many of the theories she's taking from the fans, like, oh, that's a good idea. I should tie that in versus how many were planned from book one, because that's a lot of different things to have webbed out and planned from the very beginning of a five book series. Although I think probably the best ones are ones where they're inserting those nuggets from the very beginning, like um, I know Game of Thrones has a lot of that where things don't really come together until much later on. So hopefully that's that's what she's doing and not just, oh, I kind of mentioned that. Maybe I can run with that now. <laughs> I, w- I would bet you that at book one, and this is just a me imagining the the theory of everything going on. Book one, she puts it out, she pitches it, and um, it's a good idea. She she has an idea. Of course, it's going to be a series, but you know she hasn't planned it out all the way to the end. Book one is a success. Book two is asked for and put out there and doing well. So I think right this second, she pretty much probably plans has it planned out through five because she knows she's going to be doing all of them mm-hmm. and. And that's when you can invest the time into that. That's what I would think would be happening. Well, and I think it's so amazing because she has so many other books in other genres. Like um, my local book club actually just read one of her romance books, The Last Letter, which horribly sad. If you have children, do not read that book. It was a mistake to read it. It was well written, but did not need to emotionally go through that book. (laughs) So just a warning. But I'm like, how are you writing all these books also while you're writing these like thousand page books? I saw on her social media that she just started writing the third book and there's not a, you know, a date yet for when it's going to come out. But how much pressure is that to be like, you have millions of people that are like, write this book, write this book as fast as possible. And it's going to be this super long, complex book. So that makes me a bit worried. Plus, she's already got a TV deal. So that's going to be pressure to make it come out quicker because you don't want a Game of Thrones situation where the show uh, outruns 
the speed of the books and they run out of content. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. And I do think that that explains some of the weird pacing things with this book, because she knew before writing the second book that the TV deal was coming. So it does seem like several books in one book. And some things feel really segmented. Like the first half of the book feels totally different from the second half of the book. And then some of the scenes were kind of paced weird. It almost felt like, well, that was an episode. Like that could have been an episode of a TV show because it ended on weird places. Like, oh, that's the cliffhanger for the end of the episode right there. So I I think that might continue to impact the books moving forward. I will say, if she needs it to go faster, if she's trying to write all this stuff and get it all done, why did we spend so long with Zayden and Violet not talking? Like so much could have been, you know, just what there there was a lot of filler. Because I think, She's leaving all of that for later books. But but it didn't have to be here. They could have just, just, some of those scenes just didn't have to happen. You know, like we could have just sped things along, folks. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask too about Jack. So his arc was kind of weird to me because, you know, he comes back. He's kind of mysterious. We know something's weird about him. We never liked him. And then he saves her from falling off the building at one point. So why did he do that? He, w- he was... I mean, why? Why, why did they get Veen and Jack and then they're like, oh, let's cure him and put him back in with the students. Nothing could go wrong. What was the, why, why, what was the goal? And like, you're right. Why'd he save her? And then like ruin every, why? Mm-hmm. Nothing makes sense. Yeah, totally- like they were trying to subdue him and they were trying to prove like, oh, he's normal now. He's fine. He's good. And then at some point he's like, mm, nope, I'm gonna, you know, destroy that- everything. I'm yeah, gonna exactly. kill my own dragon. <laughs> he totally, that whole thing totally threw me because I actually was hoping for another interesting part of the story of Jack trying having to you know, earn trust and, and be part of the circle and everything when he came back as a good guy, going from bad guy to good guy. But then going back to bad guy was like, you know, you missed your opportunity. She could have been, she would have been dead for sure. And of course it would be, there would be no more, no more books. But um, it, yeah, it's, it seemed unnecessary. And if he's a Venon, how did he, how did he, how was he inside the wards in order to take the wards down? How does that work? I thought that so had like something to do with whatever treatment they were giving him but before that he was a venin first like he was a venin when he came he's been evil the whole time he, he he, i ha- thought he became evil well yeah wouldn't he have to have been but he was killed and then they revived him but right? that's not what made him a venin so i don't know yeah that's a good so, question what what is this <laughs> yeah and what i mean maybe it's going to be revealed in other books but what is the process of becoming a venin if you don't start out as a venin that somebody well, you have to eat your brain or when you draw power from the ground, like, um, so Violet almost did that when she was trying to power the stone and then her mom like pushed her off and then the mom drained herself. But if Violet had kept pulling from the ground kind of accidentally, then I think that's what would have happened. And then with Zayden, he did because he's like, I'm, I'm going to drain out. So then he started pulling from the ground, the power. Um, So I think that's what happens is you just kind of get, you need more and more power and then you pull from the ground and that's when the transition happens. But 
with Jack, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I think we're just missing a lot of information because they did say that, oh no, his eyes had the like the red rims or whatever mm-hmm. from the beginning when he was at the school. But then how would he have died? And then why would they bother bringing him back unless unless Lilith knew something like Violet um, is Venon and she was trying to use him as kind of a guinea pig? They're like, oh, we kind of think that he's Venon, so we're going to take him, bring him back to life and experiment on him because we won't feel so bad he was going to die anyway. Otherwise, yeah, I think we're just missing tons of information about that because that that doesn't really make sense to me either. Yeah, and I might be remembering it wrong, but I think during one of the intense lightning-wielding sessions that um, uh, Violet went through, she talked about getting power from underground even before you know going uh on her quest so and so i mean how is it just a certain is there a line or just a certain amount that turns you into a well that supports the theory that she is already been in and that's why she's got the the white hair from where you know it's it's been drawn from her or that something happened when Lilith was pregnant with her and she's like half Venon. Or maybe everybody's Venon deep down. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. So I I think there's just a lot we're, we're missing and it. It's hard with a book like this because you kind of want there to be some surprise with certain things, but then it also just leaves things feeling kind of confusing for the reader. Yeah. Like I, I actually thought Varish might secretly be Venon for a little while because he was like, pushing her to burn out maybe trying to get her to turn mm-hmm. but then he's also like fighting the venin at at in the battles or whatever like at the, the one where he was like oh this is we're gonna lose but we're gonna fight anyway so if he was venin like why would he even mm-hmm. bother with any of that and and if you and if you're a venin how does a dragon even choose you like wouldn't your dragon just not <sighs> yeah it yeah. seems like the dragons are a stick together group and they uh all you know not that they agree all the time with each other, but they are on the same side. They're on the dragon side. So they. it seems like maybe, it, you know, why would they have, you know, loyalty p- towards, you know, both sides at the same time? It, it seemed like there would be. Well, conflict. it definitely seems like some of them are don't like each other and that they they have some disagreement that we have not been privy to yet. And I think it probably has to do with that. Like some of them, for whatever reason, are on the, the bad side but with the way that this book is going we might learn that you know venin maybe they're the the good people maybe we will end up liking them and be like yeah let's turn everybody <laughs> let's all suck magic out of the earth and kill people within a certain <laughs> radius it'll be fun we're the good guys <laughs> All right. So we've talked a lot about things that we find problematic, but were there any parts that you just thought were really cool or that you really enjoyed? There were so many different elements to this book, especially because it was so long. I think I, mean, I like I like the deep POV and the smut. <laughs> <laughs> that is very enjoyable. Yes. <laughs> Um, I feel like there were a lot of really cool scenes. I did really like the last hundred pages or so where they were really in um, that battle and all the reveals that happened at the end. Um, I love the connection that Violet has with her dragons. I love the conversations that they have. I loved seeing Andarna be kind of this snarky teenager that's really hundreds of years old. Um 
and kind of seeing what's going to happen there. Um, I really enjoyed kind of the the heist thriller in the first half where they're sneaking into the library to get the book. <laughs> that felt almost like, you know, an episode on its own. You know, okay, here's the episode where we break into the library. And <laughs> um, so I thought, okay, but why do they murder people for staying in the library late? <laughs> Right. The fines on the books were not deterring people. So <laughs> you fall asleep studying, you're done. <laughs> you're dead. No, uh, no all nighters studying at that college. Well, to um to mention uh, a couple of things. Well, I, one thing I do like, I do like Violet as a character for the most part. Um, even though she kind of her and Zayden, their relationship really got on my nerves. Uh, on both sides, you know, she's he's really thick sometimes and she's um naive relationship wise sometimes and it's irritating but i do like the fact that they gave her gave her power but needed too diligent that on accuracy things are not easy for violet if it was too easy it would be you know i would be much less interested in her as a character i think that the author is doing a good job of bringing her along uh power and skill wise yeah i do um have an issue with books where the relationship is like all of a sudden the guy is I'll kill everybody and everything for you because especially because Zayden seemed very calculated like always very calm like she could never read exactly what he was thinking he you know was just always very um like stoic almost you know and ever since they fell for each other now he's like blowing everything up just to protect her where it doesn't seem like he was that kind of person before he was you know maybe he would still have her best interest in mind but he's worked very hard to get to the point there that he's at he's protected many people that he loves not just you know romantic love all of his friends and all these people in the rebellion that he feels like he's responsible for and he's gonna like mess all that up like even with cat where uh like her dad in that whole situation like he was gonna blow all that up to protect violet and that just didn't make sense to me like i get that readers want to be like oh the guy will do anything for love he'll tear down the world for her but it just didn't make sense if you're really thinking about what his goals are and what he's been working towards he's gonna blow all that up just for her and now definitely as a meanin he's not gonna be able to do what he was trying to accomplish at least not for a while yeah um you know I, something that I thought was amusing was not only the fact that, you know, he's revealed that he was willing to burn the world down for her. And um, it, and you're right. It doesn't make sense. But love doesn't make sense. Love makes you do crazy things. Don't you know that, Amber? You're in love. So um, the, the thing I'm that also I, not fighting for my life. So I don't know. I can't really say what I would do in that situation. <laughs> you, I know you would burn the whole world down for your husband and kids. But um, the the thing that I thought was amusing was that Violet knows this. You know, there was one musing that she had in hand. She, oh, I can't let him do that. He'll destroy everything for me. And, you know, not in a big-headed, conceited sort of way, but just because she knows him. So I think that gives her an advantage, you know, in a lot of areas. I thought it was it was kind of cute that she realized that. And, and so she knows she has to keep her bed under control. Otherwise, he'll bring the, the, the world to ruin for her sake. But she still doesn't trust him too that's the frustrating thing is like she knows this she knows mm -hmm. that he's going to like mess everything up for her she saw examples of that and yet she's still like well he won't tell me 
me everything. Yeah. She doesn't know. T- she doesn't have total truth. Women want details. You know this. <laughs> Women want details. Yeah. And, and um, you know, sure, you'll burn down the world. But why? I want to hear, you know, the exact reasons why and the details and the wherefores and stuff like that. And I'm not saying the two aren't connected, but it the the fact that he won't tell her exactly why does not get in the way of the fact that she she knows he'll do it and she has to keep him from doing it because you know she's interested in in him and him accomplishing his goal. So if we were to look at this in another situation, say like he was a spy and she knows like okay, I know he's a spy, but I know that he can't tell me anything. Like why can't she just accept that? Like that okay, I cannot tell you this information because this is not just me and you. This is a matter of everyone's safety. It's a matter of the bigger picture. But then in this situation, she feels like she's owed all these answers, which I would have been fine with him not telling her. But as I mentioned earlier, when he was like, well, if he would have just asked me, then I would have told you like, that's where it messed up for me. Because I'm like, well, either he can't tell her or he won't tell her. But it just seemed like it just didn't make sense. Like, well, it's not that he can't tell her because it's a secret. He just wants her to ask about it. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't find their relationship healthy or aspirational. (laughs) um, Because I mean, he hid, he hid her brother from her and he had to have known he had, he knew. So like, what a jerk. And the needing to ask for it bit that felt borderline, like controlling and gaslighting. Like, well, I would have told you if you would have asked, like, that's just it. It's teetering into like dangerously unhealthy, like call the cops girl kind of unhealthy if he keeps doing this. And of course, like, really call the cops because he's a vegan now. Like, <laughs> But I don't know. I'm not... Mm-hmm. I'm, mm, they can keep having their fun times because that's fun to read about. But like, I just hope they don't end up together. <laughs> Is that going to get me in trouble? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, well, I, I want to say something on this subject. Amber, um, I understand what you're saying as why doesn't she just trust him? I think one of the reasons is that if she should, you're right, she should understand that there's some things that she just, you know, it's just not going to be privy to because of his mission and his heritage and what he has to do. But the stuff that he's holding back from her is it's just that she really should know, you know, and she's finding out the stuff that she really should know, you know, whether he's going to be a revolutionary or not. And that's why she doesn't, that's why she doesn't trust him because he's holding back the stuff that she really should know. Now he's easy on giving up. Oh yeah. We're smuggling weapons, you know, stuff like that. But not here's the deal that I had with your mom. Oh, yeah, your brother's still alive. <laughs> the stuff, the stuff that is personal and at her family that he really should have told her and wouldn't have cost him. It would not have cost him to for him to go into that and he held it back. So I kind of get where she is as far as not trusting him because he's making bad choices as far as what to tell her. Yeah, that is a good point. And they made the excuse early on, like, well, it's not until you can learn to have like your mental walls up so other people can't see what you know but at that point she already knew enough that could get them all in trouble Mm -hmm. and why wouldn't he just tell her that dane could read her mind too like he could have warned her about that too like Mm -hmm. oh i'll you know i'll know if you tell somebody or whatever but it's like if you if you had any inclination that this guy could read your mind and you know he knows that violet knows the secrets why wouldn't he warn her of that in book one (laughs) exactly Uh, oh so mira 
Violet's sister. I get a weird vibe from her. I don't fully trust her. And I I think it was she jumped on board with them very quickly with like no questions asked when they said what was happening. Don't trust mom. She's like, all right. And she had already been, what was she a general or something? No, she wasn't a general, but she was like captain. Maybe she was a very like renowned fighter in the battlefield fighting for the other side. She saw what was happening firsthand and never did anything about it. And then jumped ship the second, you know, she heard that, that Violet was going with Zayden without really any question. I feel like there's something more to her. We don't know. It just seems weird that all three siblings would be on board against their mom without any question. I mean, I don't have a problem with how quickly they convince people in this book because if I had to read a scene for every single person that they told the truth to, I would have lost my mind (laughs) because it would have been so repetitive. So like, I'm on board with people just switch sides. We can get, you know, a, a sentence of summary of like, they questioned it, but we talked them into it. Like, I'm fine with that. Because, you know, it, maybe Mira had seen some of this stuff and was like, hmm, that's weird. And then Violet gave her the last piece of the puzzle and she was like, oh, yes, let's let's go over here and fight mom. Mm-hmm. Also, maybe her relationship with their mom is also not great. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, as, as, a, um, as a person who has a sister in front and sister behind, uh, I can totally get how the three siblings can get together and say, mom's horrible. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, of course, in a book, in a fantasy book like this is a real pendulum swing because we're talking about, you know, people dying and stuff like that. But I, I, I do get the concept of siblings getting together, even though they love their, their parent and saying she must be stopped. So, I mean, she was really the only, the mom, Lilith, was really the only major death we had in this book. And I thought the author was like, oh, yeah, I'm not afraid to kill off main characters. But other than that, I felt like we should have had way more deaths. And that is why I don't really like books where they have healers at their disposal so easily, because then it's like you have all these fake out death scenes, like when they were on the mountain, I forget who it was, like Riddick, I think was just about dead and like you should have died there like they can't have this entire team continue to make it through all these books alive i mean i know we had a lot of like smaller deaths in book one but i feel like we needed more high impact deaths in such a long book with so much fighting with torture with all this different stuff going on um i feel like that kind of going into the third book i'm not going to think the stakes are very high and i think kate you talked about this a little bit last time too about how the stakes didn't really feel as high as they should be well no it's that when the stakes are live or die i'm going to assume that most people will live and so i stop caring about the stakes because they're too high Mm. i know you're not killing everybody and so i just really don't don't care about the peripheral characters because I'm like, eh, whatever, you'll probably die in book three, four, or five. <laughs> I barely remember all of the names because, like you said, there were so many people introduced that, like, I remember like five people and they'll probably make it to the end because I remember them. Mm-hmm. So, meh. Yeah, even though they killed a couple of people here and there, you know, uh, Liam got killed, but, you know, just because of what you said in the, in that, uh, in the second book when that one guy, like, lost both his legs and was bleeding out and stuff, I said to myself, oh, yeah, he's going to make it because because everybody makes it and it would have been okay with me with that major death of Lilith if it meant something that's it was supposed to be sacrificial and everything but it didn't work for me for the reasons that we already stated so you know 
the you got the right person dying, but for the wrong reasons and for the, really no effect, and um, all the wrong people staying alive to to hold my interest. I mean, and and I, there was a glimmer of hope with Violet herself, and and you, I know she's not going to die, but. In the whole torture thing, I said, "Okay, this is going to have an effect. This going to this is going to cause some conflict between her and and Zayden and this and her re- other relationships with her friends, stuff like that. She's going to have this issue in it, but she just shrugged it off like it was, you know, a beast thing. So, I mean, it did cause the whole like revolution to happen. That situation, so it had an impact on the entire story in that way. But I see what you're saying, like it didn't really impact her emotionally moving forward. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in her thoughts. But yeah, that's the thing. It was like, well, I knew she was going to survive. Like we just had to like suffer through this long torture part of the book. But we knew that she would come out on the other end somehow. Um, so that kind of took away some of the the stakes. You're like, well, she might get beat up pro bad, but we know that she's going to be healed by somebody. Um, but it does seem weird, though, that she'll keep saying like, oh, I don't need a healer. I'll be fine. Let's let my bones heal naturally. I don't <laughs> I don't understand why she keeps doing that. Like, I'd be like, yep, yep. Give, give me all the healing. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make sense, you know, to me either. I guess it could be just a personality trait of her being so physically frail and she doesn't want to appear that way by needing a healer but that's that's only going to go so far i mean damn you're in freaking war (laughs) i bet you they wanted healers in the civil war instead of dying in the hospital so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'm with you that doesn't make sense yeah it's, it's part of a problem i have with violet that was in the first book too of she's not like other girls she doesn't need a healer she'll have it heal on her own and she's so important that satan will burn down the world for her and she's just so important that everyone believes her about the revolution and like of course she gets partnered with catriona for blah 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 like everything special is happening to her Mm -hmm. and it's annoying (laughs) well it's the you know it's the christ complex in the story you know she's the the savior of this whole thing yeah that's how most these (laughs) fantasy or um even all the dystopian books that were popular before it was the same thing it's like the main character somehow is like the singular change for everything all the revolutions everything um can do no wrong become the voice of the people But um, are there any other things that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we discuss about it? All right. So what would you rate this book? Oh, I totally forgot that we had to do that. Um, And we're out of five. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we have to worry about me giving it a five. Um, (laughs) Although as much as I've been, you know, bashing this book and saying I'm indifferent, um, it it wasn't necessarily a bad book. We've read bad books and this Mm -hmm. is not, this is not one of them. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I, I really don't know if I would continue the series. So I'm going to give it three stars out of five. I'm going to be fair. I'm torn. I mean, I, I had a lot of problems with fourth wing, but I still gave it four stars, right? Even though the plot was extraordinarily predictable. And this one, the plot less predictable, uh, mostly because you're, you're expecting them to talk to each other eventually. And they just <laughs> freaking don't. 
Um, I, I liked it. I think maybe a little less than fourth wing overall. There were parts that were better, but overall not as much. So I'm going to, I'm going to do 3.5 stars because it, it is well written enough that you are so deep in Violet's head that you feel all her emotions. And that is a great magic trick that I want to learn as an author. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think this is the most on the same page we've ever been with a book. Um, I rated fourth wing, I believe five stars. I really liked that as I mentioned earlier it was easy for me to get into to picture it i knew who all the characters were this time i just felt like i was kind of losing track of things and it took me way longer to get through i thought i was so excited i got it the day it came out i was ready to just power through read the whole thing you know within the weekend and it took me weeks and weeks to to get through it um overall i'm still hooked on the story i'm invested in finding out all these missing pieces that I feel pretty confident the author will flesh out as we move forward. As a whole, as I've mentioned many times, I just don't really like series for this reason. Like, I want to have all the answers when I'm done with the book, especially like a thousand page book. Like, I want to feel like I have all the answers after investing so much time. But I do want to see what happens. So I'll keep reading it for sure. Uh, but this particular book in the series, I would rate three out of five. So yeah, I think we're all pretty, pretty close to on the same page, which I don't know has ever happened before. So Kate, Kate is the one that is the soft touch with the extra half star for smut. It, it is that I was going to say the half stars for the smut. You know me so well. <laughs> well, there we go. Um, So next time we will read Cassandra in Reverse by Holly Small. So make sure to read it and join our discussion next time. But thank you all for listening and have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Judging More Than Just the Cover podcast. I'm Amber Gregg. Join us next month to see what we thought of another best-selling book with a strong female main character. The chat doesn't end here. Let us know your thoughts in the comment area or connect with us on social media. Enjoyed the show? Share the love. Give us a review, like, follow, and a share with your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace out.